In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos podcast brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB. We've got a jam-packed show for you today. Lots of things to talk about. Daniel Braverman was released. That's going to be first up. Uh, Coach Stubler was hired uh, by a high-profile uh, high school in Florida to be their defensive coordinator. Sage Dockstater from last year's draft, a potential Toronto Argonaut, uh, may be going to the NFL. We'll talk about that a little bit. We want to go over some of the best mock drafts we've seen so far, who people are mocking to the Argonauts and what we think about that. Mike Hogan put out an article, 10 guys he's interested in seeing. Uh, we are going to pick out our favorites from that list. Plus, there's been a lot of talk about the Canadian ratio this past week, some players getting into it as well, discussions of salary. We'll give you our take on that. And we want to finish it off by talking about the USFL camera angles. USFL debuting or returning, I guess, this past weekend. I wasn't overly impressed with the product on the field. It was okay, but I really like some of those camera angles. We'll talk about that. All that more coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. JB, Daniel Braverman released. Uh, this is upsetting because I think, uh, you know, he's a great guy. He's a good football player. To me, this is a... Uh, a visual, I guess, of how much the team has improved. It was a good team last year. Braverman was a starter on that good football team. He was also a punt returner in their kick returns. The fact that they're releasing him shows you how good that receiver room is getting. Yeah, we, we talked about it when we looked at the guys they were signing, that there are definitely guys who are on the bubble who were on the team last year. I think they have really stepped up the competition in that room. I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple more guys um, who were with us last year on the way out. Um, you know, I think it's fine. He, he, he was, he was a system guy. Um, I didn't mind him, but uh, he didn't have an elite skill. You know, in my opinion, he, he wasn't particularly fast. He wasn't twitchy. Um, he had fine hands, but, you know, I think it's, you know, I think I think that this is a, not a surprising move when you look at the talent that's been put in the, the wide receiver room. Yeah, I, I had him behind at least Brandon Banks, if, if not Marquise Ambles as well. It was just going to be tough for him to get a spot. What I am going to miss, the exchanges between he and Breskison were amazing because they went to a rival NCAA programs, so they were always on each other about that. And they, I think they I think they roomed together last year in camp too, which also produced some really good stories. So it's too bad to see him go, uh, but it, it, it's not unexpected. And like you said, this is probably not the end of, of movement in terms of uh, the Toronto receivers because it's a stacked positional group. Do not be surprised if we see another big name maybe or at least someone that was involved last year uh, on their way out, which is sad for us to see, but it's, it's part of the business. And when the team gets better, inevitably, that's what happens. Rich Stubler, uh, coach is hired to be the DC of Clearwater Academy International in Florida. They're a really high-profile football program, high school football program that produces a ton of NCAA talent. I'm really happy for Coach Stubler because it's great to see him get a chance to get down there in some warm Florida weather. 
uh, some of the, some of those some of those games just checking in with him last year. Some of the practices where it just got below zero. He uh, yeah, he looked like he was thinking about a warmer climate. So I'm really happy to see coach go down there, but sad to see him leave. He's a character. He knows a ton about football. And I always loved catching up with with Stubler. But it's 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 a loss, you know, losing someone like that. Um, it's, it's always sad to see, even if, you know, he wasn't really going to be that that involved this year. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that uh, he's landed on his feet. And, um, you know, I'm I'm. I'm always for turning things over. I thought there was good things about last year, but I, I, I'm hoping to see, um, you know, m- maybe a different look this year. So I'm, I'm okay with new faces, new places. I got to share my favorite Coach Stubler story. This is from 2006, maybe it's 2007. And uh, it, was a, it was a coaching clinic, and I was... I was uh, listening to uh, Steve Barato uh, talking about offensive systems, and and Steve had a you know a very very cerebral approach to the game, and everything was very clinical, neatly drawn out and diagrammed. And then uh, Coach Stubler got up there, and he opened by by telling a story. I didn't even know where it was going. It was just so different from what what Barato had been doing. Uh, he told a story about breaking both of his arms at the same time. And his biggest concern and uh, need for adjustment was trying to figure out how to go to the washroom. <laughs> and he got, he, got, he got into this pose and he was trying to show, you know, the best way to take care of business once you're finished um, was to actually go into a three-point stance in the shower. And it was at that point that, that Pinball, uh, who <laughs> Pinball like raised from the back of the room, he's like, all right, coach, let's, let's, get, on with our, let's get on with our clinic. Um, that was uh, that was enough for pinball at that point. But uh, Stuhler is just uh, he's such a character and uh, such a such a defensive coach as well in so many ways. I love that story. And, uh, you know, I always enjoyed talking to him. So I'm really sad to see him go. But because, uh, you know, we're going to miss out on stuff like that and, you know, entertaining uh, conversations. But, uh, you know, I'm really happy that he's going to wind up in Florida and uh, get to take in some of that weather. Next up on the docket, Sage Dockstader. So second round pick for the Argos last year. Dockstader, a left tackle, New Mexico State. There was, it, was, it wasn't too surprising that he returned to New Mexico State this past season. But it was always up in the air as to what his fate would be because, you know, of his size, of the fact that he's basically been a, a starter for for all his years down in, in New Mexico State, that he would have some NFL interest. So he was unable to participate in New Mexico State's pro day because he was still recovering from an injury. So they put on basically a, an exclusive just for him. They had NFL scouts come in, take a look at him. Uh, his numbers were okay, but I think what really jumped out was his weight. Uh, he was weighing in, his playing weight was, he was at 6'6", 350. And... I had real concerns about his mobility at that weight. He weighed in this past week at 317. So that's a, a huge weight loss. Looks fantastic. Looks in really good shape. I, I, don't, I don't think he's going to end up in the CFL this season. Now, I'm not sure what his long-term prospects are going to be like in the NFL. I think speed is still going to be a little bit of an issue. I think it might just might just keep him right on the edge there. But I expect him... Probably not to be drafted in the NFL. I do expect him to sign as an undrafted free agent. 
I don't know if he's going to make final cutdowns, but I do think even if he doesn't make final cutdowns, I think he'll spend all of 2022 trying to catch on somewhere. You know, maybe it's an injury, maybe it's an, another look at another team. Uh, I don't think there's there's any chance we'll see him in the CFL this year, but I do think this is uh, a guy that will be in the Argos camp in 2023. I hope for him he's not. I'm cheering for the guy. I'd love for him to catch on in the NFL. I think it's most likely he's going to be in the CFL in 2023. I can't wait to have him here because he could be a CFL left tackle. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that was a smart pick to, uh, I mean, it, it is high. They took him high, but, um, you know, he's still going to be really young. I mean, I'm sure they gamed this out and looked at his uh, measurables and looked at what he was likely to score in terms of what percentile and chances of him being drafted. And so I, I think the Argos are probably looking at this exactly like you. Is he's, he's gonna he's gonna the practice squad for a year, and hopefully you know that doesn't turn into bouncing around in the USFL or the XFL or whatever the hell FL um, is popping up down in the states. Uh, hopefully he you know he comes back to Toronto and uh, is ready to roll. You know I think that'd be a great addition and. You know, he's, his measurables, uh, while not NFL, you know, definitely look nice in the CFL. And, you know, there's no there's no shame in that. I mean, those are still elite measurables. So, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to see him. I think it'd be it'd be really a nice addition to the team. So I'm, I'm with you. I hope I hope he has a great year. I hope he catches on or at the very least he he rides the same practice squad all year and gets NFL coaching. For sure. And, you know, if he does end up here, great. I think he'll contribute. I think he'll be a, a, a great CFL player. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed for him and, and we'll, we'll see what happens. I, you know, in just a few weeks, I can't believe how close we're getting to things, JB. We've got the NFL draft next week, the CFL draft right on its heels. And we're less than a month away from the start of training camp, which is really exciting. Argo's getting things going fully on May 15th. So we're getting there, JB. There have been a bunch of mock drafts over the last few weeks. I want to focus on four in terms of who the Argos are going to take. Mock drafting the CFL is tough at the best of times. I think this year is even tougher. I have no idea. After the first pick, uh, I don't know. Like I, I, I think, I think most people, uh, the, and in fact, every mock that I've seen, I think um, they. Uh, they have uh, Terrell Richards going first overall to Edmonton. I don't think I've seen anyone who doesn't. But after that, it's it's just a mess. Uh, everyone's all over the place. Uh, the Philpots go early in most mock drafts, but you know it, it is all over the place. These ones, I'm interested to hear your take on this, JB, because I, I I don't know exactly how it's going to go after after Terrell Richards, who who both you and I had an opportunity to coach against, which. Uh, I'm sure you enjoyed just as much as I did. <laughs> yeah, it was I mean, not. It was not great. No, he's uh, an unbelievable player. Um, you know, he's going to be. Yeah, he's going to be elite. I think it's it's terrific to see uh, a Canadian kid who's going to be that great. So you know, I'm 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 excited for that. But you know, I wish I wish we had a shot at him. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And he's he's going to do well out there in Edmonton. All right, let's take a look at Marshall Ferguson's first, the CFL on TSN's Marshall Ferguson. So Marsh has the Argos taking Anthony Federico, defensive lineman from Queens. And he's not the only one to project the defensive lineman for the Argonauts. 
Uh, position of weakness, JB? For the for the Argos, yeah. I mean, we were toward the bottom of sacks last year. Uh, we both thought the defensive line was going to be better than it was last year. Uh, turned out to be kind of not very good. It was injured and old and really did not exert um, a ton of pressure. So, uh, yes, it is. But I'm not a big, you know, I mean, I'm not a big sack guy. I think that it's not an emergency. And and to be honest, I, I don't see somebody coming in through this draft who's going to suddenly put up 12 sacks. I, I don't think that particular position is going to be solved by the Canadian entry draft. Yeah, I'm the same way there. I, I just don't see that as being, I, I, I think he's, I think he's going to be a, an immediate rotational guy, get him in there, he would play. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I don't think he fixes a, a problem on the defensive line. I think what the Argos need, if they're, you know, if if you're not going to have like Ja'Kai Polite uh, hit and Shane Ray stay healthy, you need a guy like that with elite speed around the edge uh, who can really disrupt. And I, I just don't, I like Federico a lot. I think he's going to be a great player, but I don't think, I don't think he's going to be a difference maker. And I just don't see the Argos taking that. I think they would rather take a shot at something big, even if it doesn't come through, rather than um, a, a role player uh, like like I expect Federico to be. No, I, I, I'm i defensive line. No, thank you for me. And with that in mind, let's go to Wade Zanchetta's pick uh, from Canadian Football Perspective. Well, I should mention, too, you can find Marshall Ferguson's full mock draft on cfl.ca it's fantastic he goes you know he goes deep into it and he's got a blurb about each player and the rationale behind it so definitely check that out uh wade and connor from canadian football perspective um their podcast they've been covering the draft forever these guys you know marshall's the king but wade and, and connor know as much as anybody about all these guys so i love listening to what they have to say uh so Let's start with Wade, because he has another D-lineman. He has Saskatchewan's Nathan Cherry being drafted by the Argonauts. And really, it's the same story for me. It's just, I, I don't see, I, they're not the same guy, but I just don't see this being that kind of need. It is a position of need, like you said, but not one that is going to be solved in this draft. No, um, I think you're, you're you're looking for free agency there. Uh, you're looking to find guys coming up from down south. Um, who who have um, you know better measurables when it comes to that sort of elite speed um, that you're looking for 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 pass rush right for pure pass rush um, I think you know if you're looking middle defensive uh, tackle I think that makes sense at a Canadian level but you know I just I just don't think that um, you're gonna find that elite first step. Uh, in in Canada, which is you know, which is fine. Like there are definitely people you can find in Canada who who are great. I just don't think that's a position I would I would mine at the at the draft. I mean, that's just personally. And Wade's counterpart Connor O'Neill has a winner in my eyes. He has the Argonauts taking Noah Zare, offensive lineman from Saskatchewan, who he could be a he could be a guard. He could, you know, could be a tackle. I love this pick because he's probably going to be the Argos probably by the time they draft sixth overall we probably will not have seen an offensive lineman taken 
I always believe that offensive line is where you want to go in the CFL draft. And to have your choice of the first offensive lineman off the board, to me, that's almost like drafting first overall. So uh, Noah's there. I love, I think there, there are actually a bunch of offensive linemen I, I do like in this draft for Toronto in this spot. And we'll we'll go through that more next week when we do our draft preview and we'll detail some of the guys that we're looking for. But yeah, that Noah's there pick, um, I, I don't know. I haven't I haven't really heard much from Toronto about Noah Zara, but I, I would I would love the pick. I'd be fully on board with him. So to me, that's that's a winner. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm I'm team draft three offensive linemen every single draft. You know, just <laughs> just keep drafting them. You, you need lots. Um, if you hit on one, you, you're you're set for ten years at that position. You know, you hit on a Canadian offensive lineman like. That's gold, you know. That I mean, that's absolutely locked in at that position for you know for a decade. I'm I'm absolutely for throwing as many darts at that dartboard at that position in the draft as possible. I agree, and like you said, you can't have too many. Like they, they have so many young Canadian linemen. You've got you know you've got Richards and Nicastro. Uh, you know, Bladex still pretty young. Uh, Churchill, recent draft pick, uh, Lawrence Zamora. But you cannot have too many of these guys. You can you can keep drafting Canadian linemen, and like you said, see what see what happens. Because if you can start four Canadian linemen, that's awesome. Like the Argos did last year. You can find a way for five. That would be amazing. But uh, I don't see that being on the table. But yeah, for sure, Noah's there. Love it. The last mock draft we'll take a look at is uh, John Hodge from Three Down Nation. And he has a really interesting one. I'd be very intrigued by this. I wouldn't at all be disappointed. I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen. Uh, but he's got the Argonauts taking quarterback Trey Ford from Waterloo. Uh, a 4-4 speed guy who's also got a cannon. Uh, I love the strategy behind the pick. I think the strategy is, is correct. I just don't think we're going to see Trey Ford in the CFL for a little while. And possibly ever. And again, another guy that we're hoping for. Hope he succeeds. Hope we never see him in the CFL because he has a long NFL career. But I've heard a lot of things from American teams, most notably my Cincinnati Bengals, who are apparently interested in Trey Ford at the very least as being a practice squad player who, while he trains and develops and learns the American system, which is a change, just like we see for American quarterbacks coming up north. Um, That's going to take some time. But while he's doing that, it's a perfect scout team quarterback to replicate what Lamar Jackson can do in Baltimore. And the Cincinnati Bengals, they know they play Lamar Jackson twice a year. He's given them fits over the year. Having a guy like Trey Ford, because typically they scout team with a receiver playing the role of Lamar Jackson, but that's just not the same because the receiver isn't going to be able to fire it downfield the way that Lamar Jackson can. And so to bring in Trey Ford, even just with the the, the theory that, you know, maybe maybe it doesn't turn into anything, he's just going to be a, a practice squad quarterback, that's still worth their while probably. And it may be worth his while too, because getting that level of coaching, getting that experience, being down there, uh, it's still good money being on the practice squad uh, in the NFL. So depending on on how eager he is to actually get into games, and I'm sure that that's what he wants to do, that would be the only thing that I could see getting him to the CFL sooner, is just him wanting real, genuine playing time. Yeah, I, I can't imagine uh, that you would, I mean, 
maybe your last pick you throw at it. He's, this guy's going to be NFL practice squad for the next three years, guaranteed. Um, so I, I, I don't know why. I, I, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see, I don't see the path to the CFL for him. Because he would be a, an immediate CFL contributor. He's not going to be a starter in the CFL right away, but he would get on the field. Uh, he'd be your short yardage quarterback. He's, you know, just a, a real weapon that you could throw in there. And we've seen how um, mobile quarterbacks over the years have been able to take over games. Well, we saw, well, you know, Winnipeg basically, you know, getting to getting to a Super Bowl that way. Um, and it doesn't have to be your main guy. It doesn't have to be a starter. So he would be that right away in the CFL. But yeah, like you say, I don't. I just don't see that opportunity there. I don't know if he makes it that deep. So I would be comfortable taking him in round three. I don't think there's any chance he's still there because I think someone is going to gamble. I don't. I don't think you should pick anyone who's even remotely on an NFL radar. I mean, look, that's just the reality. Like, it's not. It's not anything that's bad. That's just a reality. If if a if a guy is on the NFL radar, he you know leave him alone. You you got you got to pick people, the NFL um, is not looking at because if he's on the radar, it's probably a five year practice squad career. So you know I, I just don't see the point. In, I mean you use your last pick, why not? But other than that, I think you I think that's a stay away. Yeah, I don't think I think he's gonna go. I, I think he'll be gone in the first two rounds. But yeah, I just. I, I don't see that as I don't see I don't see us I, I don't I don't see it uh, Toronto has not has not shown uh, Toronto has been clever um, and not to fall into that trap again you can find all those mock drafts John Hodges on 3 Down Nation you can find Marshall Ferguson's on the CFO website and you can listen to Connor and Wade and the all Canadian podcast from CFP Canadian football perspective uh, yeah, great to get some, uh, a great place to go, all those places to get a little bit of background uh, on the CFL draft because it is fast approaching. Mike Hogan wrote an article just today about 10 guys he's really interested in seeing uh, take the field when training camp starts less than a month from now. JB, I wanted to look at these guys and see who you are most excited about from <laughs> this list. So, uh, and I'll give you mine as well. Why don't we pick two guys each uh, from Hoagie's list to see, you know, where we're focused. So Hoagie's list, he's got Dejan Brissett, Deshaun Amos, Ja'Kai Polite, Isaiah Wright, Chad Kelly, Eleni Petutau, uh, Wynton McManus, Shane Ray, Isaiah Cage, and Jalen Collins. Who are the two you're most interested in seeing? Yeah, uh, it's a good list. You know, I think a lot of those guys, you know, Dejan, I'm interested in seeing. And, and um, you know, so I like the list. Uh, I, I would say for me, my first one is Wynton McManus. I think that he could potentially be, I would say, a game changer. But if he can come in and he still has gas in the tank, he will absolutely have an impact you know, like again, you know, in the article, it talks about Dexter McCoy, like that, you know, they hit on Dexter McCoy and that was an absolute score. And I'm, I'm really hopeful that he can repeat that. If he can be Dexter McCoy-ish, uh, that's absolutely um, a, a huge addition. I see McManus as being more a Cam Judge replacement than a Dexter McCoy replacement. I, I don't think it's possible to replace Dexter McCoy. He was no. such a unique player. I know. He can play it, anywhere. 
Yeah, I know. It's too bad he didn't want to run one more year. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I don't think it's going to be hard to fill the shoes of a man judge. He had, a, he had a tough tiny, go of it last year. I know injuries were a, a problem. I bet, I bet you he's going to look okay this year. but I'm sure he will. He's one of those guys. They go out west again. They get the weed in them, and they're back to being who they are. But, man, that guy was, you know, uh, you know, maybe scheme, you know, maybe it was coaching, but he, he, he you know, he was not a thing last year. So if, if he's replacing judge, then, you know, I think the bar is, is, is pretty reasonable. Who's your second guy in Hoagie's list? <laughs> of course. I'm going to go a celebrity here. The guy, Chad Kelly. Right. Uh, I think the backup quarterback spot is, is there. Um, you know, I'm all for, we've seen pushing McLeod makes him a better quarterback. Uh, Chad Kelly has uh, a great arm. He is, you know, they're definitely going to be wow throws in camp. You know, there's no doubt McLeod is going to see that. You know, I mean, will Chad put his head in the books? Will he study the film? You know, that's yet to be seen. But uh, I, I'm he will definitely be the story where he is just going to unleash some bombs and people are going to be like, whoa. Um, so I'm excited for him. I think he's an exciting camp story. Um, you know, and I'd, I'd love to see him play a half in an exhibition game and, you know, see, you know, <laughs> how much how much Johnny Menzel is in him. Yeah, I, I think he's way more dedicated already than we ever saw Johnny yeah. Menzel in the CFL. I, I think I think Chad Kelly's a, a better quarterback, actually. I, I don't know. I, I don't think we're going to see much from him this year. I think you will see some preseason time, of course. Uh, I think they'll be up and down. There'll be some amazing throws, like you say. A couple of those where like everyone kind of like looks at the person beside them and is like, did you see that? Uh, I think we're going to see a few oh, of those. Yeah. He, he, I mean, like absolutely he will be worth uh, checking camp out for. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, but I just don't think he gets meaningful uh, time this year. This is McLeod Bethel-Thompson's team. McLeod Bethel-Thompson, there's no question at this point, he is a better quarterback than Chad Kelly. Uh, I, I don't know if it will stay that way. And I do think we've got a real conversation next season. But yeah, I'm excited to watch him. I, I can't argue with, with you or Hoagie. Um, not one of the two guys I picked. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see him. So... My picks, the first one is uh, the forgotten man, Isaiah Cage. Isaiah Cage, I've been waiting since 2019 to see Isaiah Cage, really. He was the starting left tackle for the Argos on that 2019 team. He was one of the best parts of that 2019 team. One of the few guys they kept around from that squad. But he got injured early in the season and was never able to come back. And then there was a lot of hope last year and he looked good to start off training camp and another injury and he was out for the entire season. We have not really seen Isaiah Cage since he arrived in Toronto and it's been several years now. He can be a difference maker. He's a really good offensive lineman. If he is healthy, and that is a big if, we've seen two season-ending injuries um, in, a, in a matter of a few games and not even any games last year. Can he stay healthy? Can he, um, can he last the season? If he can, 
that opens up all sorts of exciting possibilities for the Argos. I think it makes the line look that much better because Dijon Allen looked good. And suddenly Isaiah Cage, if he's playing at his best, he's in front of Allen. And so that just makes your depth that much better. It gives you some flexibility too, um, you know, moving Allen around a little bit. So um, yeah, he's, he's my number one. My number two is Deshaun Amos, a defensive back. And the reason I'm excited to see him is almost for, it's not, excited is the wrong word because it's going to be, it's going to be like, you know, watching a car crash. If he looks good, there's going to be movement in that defensive secondary. We've already talked a bit, JB, about how the defensive secondary is too good to keep everybody. It just doesn't make sense. And if Deshaun Amos hits and looks like a starting halfback in camp, there's going to be movement and someone we really like is going to be on their way somewhere else. So I'm excited to see Deshaun Amos. I'm terrified that he's going to be great, but I'm also hoping he's going to be great. Um, And so he's got to be uh, the number two guy I'm interested in seeing from Mike Hogan's list. Let's move on to the conversation about the Canadian ratio and the salary of Canadian football players Wilder Jr. talked about this a lot this week. There were a lot of CFL players getting involved on Twitter, talking about the Canadian ratio, talking about Canadian salaries versus American salaries. Where do you stand on this? Um, I mean, I try not to get too into the weeds on salaries. Um, Usually I'm pro player when it comes to salary debate. You know, Wilder is a longstanding uh, advocate for changes to how the cfl is run for american players so it's not surprising to me that wilder um is is pushing uh the idea back out there again i i think where i come down on it is the league is literally called the canadian football league so it's not hard to guess that the canadians in the canadian football league might get some preferential treatment and they do, and I think you know it's been lowered over the years, but you know they do. And in essence, look, if you come to the CFL and you become a star, you'll be paid big time money. Um, if you don't become a star, you're going to make less than a Canadian in the Canadian Football League. I, I don't, I, I can't say that uh, I really object to that at all. I like watching any kind of football. I would happily watch the CFL if every player was Canadian, and I would happily watch the CFL if no players were Canadian. However, I like the idea of having Canadians in the CFL. That is important to me, aside from the viewing experience, because the viewing experience doesn't really matter. It doesn't change. It wouldn't change my behavior. But I like the idea of having Canadians, and I don't believe... If the ratio were, let's say the ratio were taken entirely away, uh, I I don't think I don't think you see a lot of Canadians no. in the CFL. I, I think there's a bias there still. Like even with the ratio as it is and the league set up the way it is, you still have predominantly American coaching staff. Exactly. I mean, you you have so few Canadians running shows. If you took away the ratio. Uh, there would be almost no Canadians in the CFL. You would have some offensive linemen because they'd be cheap um, and available, but that's it. Maybe a yeah, kicker. which is sort of the the opposite 
that you have now where they're very expensive and under the current setup, like we saw with Jamal right. Campbell. But yeah, I, I, it depends what's important to you. Like I, I look at it like uh, the CRTC's regulation with, with CanCon and Canadian music. Is it important to you that there is Canadian music? If there is, then you better like the CanCon requirement where 35% of songs have to be have to be Canadian because if you took that away and you just said, well, why don't you just play the best songs? What's going to happen is you're going to see fewer and fewer songs and eventually basically just going to get, you know, an, an artist or two here and there. And that's going to be it. And it's going to it's going to kill the Canadian music industry. Well, I that's mean, what would happen. You know, look, there, there's the USFL, there's the XFL. You know, if, if you feel like you get a better shake, you know, give it a shot. I think, you know, to to bemoan the arrangement of the league that's been around since the 50s, I think is, you know, just not on. Like, I I get why, you know, if you're sitting around with your friends and you're like, ah, this is BS. But, you know, in reality, you know, play in another league that doesn't have a ratio. If you feel ratios are unfairly keeping your salary low or become a star. But I think the argument is that none of the American leagues have anything like this. In the American leagues, it's no, just the right. the best guy you can get signs and plays. So if you feel like that's the meritocracy you want, then by all means, you know, Godspeed. And I would point out that this is not just a CFL thing. There are a lot of countries around the world and sports around the world where there are national ratios, where there there is a quota that has to be kept. And it's for those same reasons that we see it in the CFL, to preserve the growth of that sport in that country. And so, you know, for those reasons, I'm in favor of keeping it as it is. I would lean towards increasing the number of Canadians uh, if we were talking about changing the ratio. I don't think the ratio needs to be changed. If I were going to change it one way or the other, I would lean far more heavily towards increasing the number of Canadians on the field than I would taking them away. This past week, JB, we saw the launch of, or the rebirth, I should say, of the USFL. Um, not, 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 it wasn't the best football. There are a couple of exciting endings. There are some sloppy play in there too. But again, I'll, I'll, watch, I'll watch any football. What I did love were some of the camera angles. And these are things that I just don't think are that hard to bring back or, or introduce to the CFL in some cases. So they had the helmet cam going. They had drone cams going. I love those things. Now, what I don't like is the way that they use them for live play. I do not want to see live plays on a helmet cam or a drone cam. I get dizzy and I feel like throwing up. I love it for replays. You've got a really cool view. Someone in the truck sees, hey, you got to check out that replay from this guy's helmet cam. Yes, I want to see that. I want to see the drone cam. There's an amazing shot. I think it was from the Michigan game following a player. This drone like circles around and follows the player all the way down the sideline into the end zone. It's amazing. It looks like it looks like a like a like a Madden replay. Uh, you know, like a, a video game, impossible angle sort of thing. And th those are amazing. And they're not that hard to do. And they're not that expensive to do. So those are things I would love to see in the CFL sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, I, me too. I, I think that you know, one of my one of my complaints oftentimes when watching broadcasts is not enough uh, replays, you know, and not enough kind of analysis of what of what is happening. I would love to have 
a more mix, you know, of, of, of different angles, kind of spice up the, uh, you know, not nothing crazy, just just a little more uh, energy to, to a CFL broadcast. Agreed. I think you watch it. It looks great. The CFL should 100% be be on it as well. Like that footage is great for cutting together social media bits. You know, it, it looks like a million bucks. Um, I, I hope that they, you know, I hope that they're stealing from these leagues every good idea they have. I also want to see every game become a live mic game. I love that about the CFL. 2019 was a great season for some of those live mic games. And it was a long season for us as Argos fans. But I loved watching that Toronto-Saskatchewan game in September where there was so much live mic audio that was coming to us. And so you got to hear, you'd hear the defensive call and then you'd hear the call in the huddle. Now, it didn't go well because, of course, you're hearing Coach Chamberlain call like a a dog blitz and then you go to the huddle and you hear uh, Saskatchewan calling some sort of jailbreak screen and you're just like, oh, oh God, this isn't going to go well. But still, it was a way to get... Uh, into the sidelines, you know, a way to see what's going on. It just opened that much more of the game up to to the fans. And that's what the CFL is about. The CFL, the best thing about it is how accessible it is, that these players are all over the place. They're always doing work in the community. They're very available. You've got very few restrictions, you know, pandemic aside, on interaction with players. Uh, they're really vocal on social media. They participate, they engage, and you just don't see that from any American counterpart. Why not open it up even more? You've you've experimented with it. You've got the technology. You've done it before. Make every game uh, a live mic game and add that to the helmet cam and the drone cam. And I think you've got a, a great product made even better. Well, that will just about do it for us on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. Be sure to tune in next week when we've got our entire draft preview and breakdown, who we want to see the Argos take in every single round. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long, and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya.